0: for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the salvation of the lost and the revival of God's people. I'm Alan Mashburn, your Bible teacher and the pastor of Asbury Baptist Church, located at 218 Asbury Church Road in Seagrove, North Carolina. We invite you to visit our church at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. On Sunday evenings we provide online services which can be viewed on gospeldynamite.org. Now please join me in the study of the Word of God. You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us this morning. I invite you to turn your Bibles as we continue in our study of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 15 verses 18 to 21. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation, But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. The last time we met together, we saw how Paul described a soul winner. Today, we look in this passage of scripture, and Paul helps us to understand how to recognize a missionary, We've already seen from this chapter that Paul was a soul winner. He had a heart for the lost people around him, and he did all that he could to reach them for Christ. Now in this passage, Paul portrays himself as a missionary, and there's a sense in which these words are interchangeable. However, there's another sense in which they're not. In this second sense, a soul winner is is someone who reaches out to the lost where he lives, in his community, in his family, and his place of work. A missionary, on the other hand, is someone who has been sent by the Lord to another place, another country, to share the gospel message. Now, to be quite honest with you, for a church to be considered a real New Testament church, the church must be engaged in the business of carrying out the Great Commission. And this involves our witnessing where we are from there and then reaching out to the world. We are to have a program of evangelism where we are, and we're to have a plan that encompasses the entire world in its scope. This is the mandate of the Lord Jesus Christ that He gives in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon me, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. So whether we're at home, whether at work or on a foreign field, we have a testimony to share. We're to be soul winners and missionaries the entire time. That was Paul's heart. And to be quite honest, it should be our heart as well. Now, notice with me that we have a missionary's confirmation in verses 18 and 19. That is, a missionary is fruitful. Now, Paul says that his purpose was to make the Gentiles obedient. That is, he was preaching a message that had the power to change those who accepted it and create within them an obedience to God. This has been somewhat of what uh, the theme of Paul's message in the entire book of Romans. You'll see that in Romans chapter one and verse five, also in Romans chapter 16 and verse 26, both of those verses speak of the obedience To the faith. Now that's a term that refers to the evidence of a changed life. Paul is saying, I have proof that my ministry is real. Everywhere I go, I leave a trail of obedient new believers. You see, the only way to see whether our labors as Christian missionaries have been successful is to look at the lives of those we have introduced to Jesus. It's not enough to get me to make a confession of faith. Anyone can do that. What we're looking for is the proof of a changed life. Life that is given wholly to the Lord. And God will confirm his missionary, or rather we could say soul orders, through the people they lead to him. Now in case you did not know it, not everyone who comes to an altar and makes a profession of faith gets saved. The acid test is to look and follow up on that person in one year, two years, five years, ten years, and see where where they are in their Christian walk. If what they got, if what they received was real, there's going to be a changed life and there's going to be a love for Jesus Christ. When those things are missing, there's a question about the validity of their experience. That is, was their experience real? We could say it this way, was their decision real? Paul's next statement is that what he has been allowed to witness was a work of God in and around him he says that he can take no credit for the souls saved, the churches founded, or the lives changed. All glory, Paul says, belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. There was no padding of the results with Paul. There were no attempts to impress men with the number of people he had won to Christ. He knew that he was a mere vessel in the master's hand, and his duty was to proclaim the gospel. Christ's duty was to give the increase as he saw fit. Would to God that our churches and our church people would get out of the competition business. We're too much in the competitive market. We're not in business for ourselves. We do not work under production as it were, next to the world's standards. We're not in competition with our brother down the street or some of the church across town or across the state. Our job here is not to produce a list of heads that can be counted to win favor with men. Our duty is to come to a place where we understand that nothing of an eternal nature will ever be done but only through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. When we get there, we won't care about numbers. When we get there, we won't care about the head count. All we will care about is that Jesus gets all the glory for everything that he does, everything that he does through us and to us and for us. Would to God. And we could die to self and not care about what others thought about us and the work in our churches would to God. And we could learn that this is his work, his business, and it's his to take care of. Real missionaries do not care who gets the credit. Real missionaries gives Jesus Christ all the glory. And Paul makes three statements in verses 18 and 19 that must be considered. He tells us that his ministry was confirmed by word and deed. That is a life that matched the message that he preached. That is essential for success, and it is the product of God's faithful work in a person's life. This is a requirement for effective ministry. You must have a life that matches your message. First Peter chapter three in verse 18 says, "'My little children, let us not love in word, "'neither in tongue. But in deed and in truth, we must have our message to match our life. Again, Paul would write to the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. And he'd say, Whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So Paul's life, Paul's testimony, Paul's ministry was confirmed by word and deed. But then Paul would go on to say, and he says that they were also confirmed by mighty signs and wonders. Now, these were the common, ordinary experience of the early church. You'll see that in 2 Corinthians 2 and 12. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. When the early church ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit, he confirmed his word with signs and wonders. Guess what? That's missing in our day. But men need to see that God is still working in the midst of his people. Our God is still working a miracle-working God. He is always doing the great and the unexplainable. We many times, all the time, see the, the visible hand of the invisible God. He works on our behalf constantly. And when we preach his gospel, we should ask him to accompany the proclamation of the truth with miracles and wonders. It will speak to the hearts of the lost and draw them to Christ. Not long ago, probably one of the great greatest theologians in our time went to be with the Lord. His name was W.A. Criswell, Wally Amos Criswell. He was 92 years old. And when he had pastored the First Baptist Church of Dallas for 34 years, he said that there had never been a time up until then that he had preached the word from that pulpit and there had not been souls saved. He claimed by his own testimony that God has always honored the preaching of the gospel with the miraculous salvation of sinners. Would to God we could say the same thing. Paul says that his ministry was not only confirmed with word and deed and mighty signs and wonders, but by the power of the Spirit of God. Paul tells us that when he preached, his message was accompanied by the power of God. Friends, it's not your talent, it's not your tact, It's not your knowledge, certainly isn't your wisdom or your persuasiveness that gets the job done. It's the power of God. We must have the power of God upon the ministry because the power of God, friends, is what gets the job done. It is not your programs. It is not fancy buildings. It is not perfectly crafted messages. It is the power of God. It is not your education. It's the power of God. It is not how eloquent you are. It's the power of God. It is not how beautiful your church building is. It's the power of God. It is not anything you do that you think is special according to anyone else. It is the power of God. If you are preaching, teaching, in anything less than the power of God, then my friend, we're doing everything in vain. Because Jesus said, without him, we can do nothing. Only the power of God can convict a sinner of their unbelief. Only the power of God can convict anyone of their sin. Only the power of God can transform the sinner. Only the power of God can move in the churches, in the communities, and the hearts of our world to bring men to Christ. And we should determine that we have operated too long in the power of the flesh. And, friend, we should determine that we will not settle for anything less than the power of God on our ministry, on our churches, on our homes, on our lives. Because it is the power of God that convicts people of their sin. We've got to have the power of God on our lives. We've got to have the power of God on our sermons, on our messages, on our services. Would to God that we would have people who would be completely sold out to God, so that His power might rest upon them. Paul also shows us in verse 19 a missionary's commitment. You see, not only is a missionary fruitful, a missionary is faithful. Now, I'll have to admit there have been many times, especially in ministry, that I've just wanted to throw in the towel. I've just wanted to quit, but I've never quit. I, I can't quit because it's a calling. It's not a job. There are too many quitters in our day and not enough people who have a wholeheartedly sold-out being to Christ as a missionary to a lost world. By the way, that's exactly what we are. As Paul carried out the Lord's call upon his life, he took the commission seriously. He did exactly what he had been told to do. He began where he was, and he carried the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the whole world. Illyricum is in modern-day Yugoslavia. If you will trace the journeys of Paul, you'll see that he traveled over 1,500 miles on foot and by sea. That is a staggering feat, considering the way men traveled in the first century. This is the biblical pattern for ministry. We are to begin in our Jerusalem and expand our outreach in ever-expanding circles until the whole world is encompassed in our hearts and in our prayers and in our giving and in our burden. My friends, our field is the whole world. Wherever we find a lost soul, that's our mission field. May we do ever our best to begin where we are and reach out until all have had a chance to hear. I was reading some time ago and there was a missionary by the name of Sir William McGregor, a missionary to Africa, who was once asked why Islam was spreading far more rapidly than Christianity in that part of the world. His response still speaks volumes today. He said this. He said it's because every Muslim regards himself as a missionary. The majority of Christians think that it's another man's work. That speaks volumes. Let someone else do it. The pastor gets paid to do it. The evangelist, the missionary, that's their job. Well, that isn't going to hold one ounce of water when we stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat. Paul had a message to preach, and he gave his life doing just that. When a believer has the precious message of the gospel and he doesn't preach it to a lost and dying world, he is like the lepers in 2 Kings chapter 7. A Christian who does not witness is either a counterfeit or a contradiction. May we be able to leave this life and echo the words of the great apostle, I have fully, Preached the gospel. Let's not fall into the trap that so many have fallen into, the trap of watering down the gospel to make it more appealing to men. It got, it, it's got to be avoided at all cost. The gospel must be proclaimed boldly. God has never commissioned me to change what I owed of the word of God, and I am so confident in the fact that he will not because it is perfect. Don't you ever water down the word of God or the gospel message. It is perfect. It is holy. It is adequate. It is sufficient. It is God's word. It is God's message, and it will still do the job if it is given out. We must boldly hold before them the righteous claims of the Lord Jesus Christ and trust him to honor his message to the saving of lost souls. I wonder, is our lives, are our lives faithful in fully preaching the gospel to our lost and dying world? That's our business. In verses 20 and 21, Paul gives us a missionary's concentration. That is a missionary. A missionary's focused. Often we think of people going to be missionaries as people who are doomed to a life of dullness and deadness. Well, the world thinks the same things about you and I. Let me tell you, there's nothing drab or dull about a life lived full for the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about Paul for a minute. And how Paul lived. Read in your own time, Second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 through 28. Paul's ministry was fresh because he was focused on some things, and he shares them with us in this passage safe to say that Paul was concentrated on new frontiers. He was interested in going places where people had never heard the gospel, and he wanted people to have the chance to hear the good news Would to God that our eyes would be open to the fact that all around us there are people who have never heard the gospel message. They need to hear it, and you and I meet people every day that have never heard a clear biblical presentation of the gospel. And would to God we would make it our mission to take the word of God to them. But wait a minute. He was not only concentrated on new frontiers, he was concentrated on new foundations. Everywhere Paul went, he was in the business of starting new works for God. He turned every street corner into a chapel, every home into a pulpit, and he conquered Rome writing letters. He didn't try to build his church on the work of others. He would go to a town, he would preach the word, he would start a church. Later he would leave that town and go to another and do the same thing over and over again. And when he would return to those places years later, he would find them thriving in the work of the Lord. In other words, he went there, he won souls, he taught them how to win souls, and he moved on. And for us... This reminds us that our business here is not to build this work on proselytes from other churches. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm thankful for every person who has been led by God to our church and our churches in the area. I mean, we're not in the business in seeking, actively seeking to steal sheep. However, the gates open If we have a sheep come into our fold and they're hungry, I'm going to feed the hungry sheep, but it's not my job to go and steal sheep from other pastors who are feeding people the word of God. If they want to run in, they're welcome. It's our God-given duty, however, to get out and reach a lost world in the name of Jesus Christ and actively seek to bring men to Christ. We're to help them come to know him. But Paul was also concentrated on new faces. You see, God had burned his message and lost men into the heart of the apostle Paul. Paul felt compelled to tell men about Jesus. He felt compelled to reach out and to win men to God. That's our prayer. That the Lord will birth that same determination in your heart and mind. May we get beyond our ineffectual prayers, uh, our weak giving, our nonchalant service to Christ. May we realize that God has called each of us to mission work here in our own Jerusalem, that he's called some to go to regions beyond with the message of life. And we close this message with a challenge. I challenge each of us, every person, Search his or her heart and answer the following questions. Are you doing everything in your power to reach the lost in your Jerusalem? Are you doing everything in your power to help those who are carrying the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth? Oh, we could all do more. The question is will we? Will we? I trust we will. Paul was a missionary because he had been saved. His life had been changed, and he wanted to share that gospel message so that others could be saved, so that others could be saved, and so that all the other people could have life eternal with Jesus Christ. Won't you consider him? Consider him. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We trust it's been a blessing. Trust you'll have a great week in the Lord. Log on to our website, gospeldynamite.org and let us know if you've accepted Christ or this message has helped you. God bless you and we trust you have a great day in the Lord.